World's Finest Podcast, Episode 47. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, James? I'm uh, doing very, very well, actually. Erin surprised me a couple weeks ago and called me and told me that her grandmother gave her her airline miles, and she'll be flying down here for spring break. Excellent. That's real soon, right? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. We're recording on Valentine's Day here, so... Oh, happy Valentine's Day, James. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's actually... It's actually... I, uh, kind of strange that this is the first Valentine's Day where I've actually had a girlfriend. That'll be nice. Uh, yes, it will be, uh, because originally we weren't going to be able to see each other till July. Mm-hmm. So March is um, a, a vast improvement. I would say. What else is up with you? Not really a whole lot. Just school and my two jobs. I've just spent the last 36 hours, not the whole 36 hours, but the better part of it, putting up just a ton of shit on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Comic books and DVDs. So, not to shill, but if anybody wants to see what I have, my seller name is Destroda. It's Destro with an A at the end. So, D-E-S-T-R-O. No, not an A at the end. D-A at the end. (laughs) D-E-S-T-R-O-D-A. Or you can just go to the forums. Jesus Christ. Oh, I lost my mind. Uh, just go to the Earth Two Net Earth forums. I don't even remember the name of my website anymore. And scroll all the <laughs> way to the bottom. There's a there's a little link down there in the uh, shameless self promotion section uh, called Yoda's uh, eBay auctions. Go in there and you can see what I have up for auction and uh, some good stuff. Anyways, should we just get onto our email? Yeah, well, I got a couple here today. Um, let's see, this one's from Aaron who writes. Not your Aaron, we should say. Yes, this is Aaron Parent, <laughs> longtime fan of ours. Um, I was listening to the Superman GK podcast, and Mike mentioned a Wiley Coyote reference to Batman. If the Coyote ever caught the Roadrunner, what would he do with him? Well, he did catch him at one point, but he had been enlarged to giant man size, and Wiley, as usual, just held up a sign saying what he thought, saying, well, I caught him, now what? Um, on another note for the Nolan verse, if Gary Oldman hadn't been cast as Gordon, I would have uh, suggested him as Dr. Langstrom slash Man-Bat. However, how about Anthony Stewart Head? As Mike knows, he played a Man-Bat before in Doctor Who. And also, as for the dreaded black hole debate, I always thought that the closer Superman got to the sun, the stronger his powers got. He might, stress might, be able to pull the ship out of a black hole then. Still, my suspicion of uh, suspension of belief only goes so far. I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, where was a sun in relation to that black hole? I'm not going to go back and rewatch that episode, but was there a sun, like, right near the black hole that suspiciously wasn't being pulled in? I, I, I don't remember. No, there couldn't um, have been. Yeah, I know. that. That's what I'm saying. Um, let's see. As for Gary Oldman playing Man-Bat, um, maybe. I mean, when it comes to that, I think really all you need for the Langstrom character is someone who can convincingly play a sort of a down-on-his-luck, disheveled scientist. That's the way I see him. Um, as for uh, who did he rattle off? What's that actor's name? I know who it is. It's the guy from Buffy. 
but I don't remember his name. Something Head, right? Anthony Stewart Head. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd pick him either. Um, I don't, I don't know who I'd pick to pay, play Langstrom if you really want the truth. Um, yeah, sorry there. Now, what was the first part of the email about... Uh, the Wile E. Coyote reference? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to address that because for years my dad has told me that there was an episode of the Roadrunner where he got caught, and why? And the Wiley just looked at the camera and held up a sign saying "Now what?" And I was always like, "Okay, Dad, whatever," because I never saw it. And I watched Looney Tunes all the time, so how the hell could I have missed it? You know. But now Aaron's telling us that no, there was indeed an, a moment like that. Um, is there anybody else out there that remembers that? I mean, I'm not by no Hi, means. Mike. What? Hi. Hi. Oh, yeah, I, I've. I have seen every, just about every Looney Tunes cartoon ever, and I was a huge Roadrunner fan growing up, and I've seen all the Roadrunner cartoons, and he's right. I hadn't even thought about it at the, at the time, but yeah, uh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Huh. He, gets, he just hugs it. Basically, Roadrunner is so big that Wiley can't even get his arms around one leg, <laughs> like hugging oh, him. Oh, I thought he meant Wiley grew. No, no, no. So I think what happened was Wiley went through a like a series of tubes and he kept getting smaller and smaller as the tubes get got smaller and smaller and he wound up being shrunk like the atom. Well, that's not really catching him then. That's just more like bumping into him. Do we have any other emails? Well, Aaron actually sent a uh, follow-up asking um, if they do bring the Joker in back into the Nolan verse, uh, do you think they'll cast a Harley Quinn and who would we pick to play her? Oh, uh, what do you think? Do you have any ideas? Honestly, I don't. I'm trying to think of a, a kind of a bubbly blonde character, and really the only one that comes to mind is Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I think she's a little too old to play the part yeah. at this point. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I've had a crush on Drew Barrymore since E.T., but I, I really do feel she's a little too old. You need someone who is, in my opinion, like fresh out of uh, med school or whatever school and uh, is hasn't had a lot of world experience yet you really do need someone that's young and spunky and can look professional at the same time but looks good in the makeup i saw a picture it might have been one of those uh random girls from high school musical but uh, she actually looks like kind of like harleen quinzel but i don't remember who it is i just saw her in like a glamour magazine or something at work she was in a bikini. It was quite nice. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't remember what her name is, and I have never seen a high school musical film, so somebody help me out with the name there. Maybe that – she kind of looks the part. <laughs> I don't know. That was completely random, I know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> we just made a high school musical reference. Why not? We make every other reference. <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know. And you accepted this pittance. What choice did I have? This never would have happened if my father was still king. Here we go. Working for a reprobate like Powers was beneath him. He had class and made sure we were treated like royalty. We've just had a run of bad luck, that's all. Is it? Look at us. Ten is gone, Jack's in jail, and Ace, we can barely repair him anymore. Maybe it's time to fold our hand. No, it's not over. Give me one good reason not to walk away. Because I need you. 
And because I have a trump that can't fail. One that will put the Royal Flush Gang back on top. First up today is King's Ransom. In this one, the Royal Flush Gang has returned, and they're not in great shape. Uh, they go to this museum to steal a statue, and while they're there, Jack is trying to disarm the security system because Ten is no longer there to do it for them. And when Jack mentions her name, King loses his temper, backhands him, and causes him to accidentally sound the alarms. Well, Batman arrives, and in the ensuing fight, the Ace robot is damaged pretty badly, and uh, Jack is captured by Batman and arrested by the GCPD. So King, Queen, and the robot go back to their hideout with uh, a damaged statue, and uh, which Paxton Powers, hey, we remember him, right? Yeah. Um, tried uh, Hired the gang to steal for him. Well, he refuses to pay for it, and when King demands his money, Paxton's uh, version of Mercy, named uh, Sable Thorpe, kicks his ass all over the place and tasers him. Uh, Paxton throws him a couple of credits just for his trouble to pretty much humiliate him further. And uh, Back at the gang's hideout, Queen is pissed as all hell at King and arguing with him about how things were better when her father was King. And uh, King says he has one trump card left, and that's to kidnap Paxton and extort money out of him. Well, during this time span, Terry, uh, as Batman, goes to the restaurant where Melanie is now working as a cook, and she claims that she hasn't spoken to her family in months, and they disowned her, basically. So she also asks Batman about the, the note that she gave him for Terry, but uh, she resigns to the fact that Terry's forgotten about her, and she just goes back to work. Well, meanwhile, Paxton informs uh, King that he has no real money and that his posh lifestyle is just on the back of company perks. Now, King calls uh, Bruce to try and get 20 million credits out of him for Paxton's safe return, but Bruce refuses and hangs up, citing the no-bargaining-with-terrorist policy that uh, Paxton wrote up himself. Uh, so King draws a sword to Paxton's throat after Queen continues to bitch at him uh, about his uselessness, and Paxton blurts out that he has a collection of stolen artifacts from all over the world, and uh, King suggests... or. I'm sorry, it might, have been, it might have been Paxton, but it doesn't matter. Uh, someone suggests that Sable deliver the goods, but Queen doesn't trust her or anyone else around Paxton. So King calls Bruce Wayne uh, to get him to deliver this uh, this like ridiculously expensive crown that was stolen from a Mexican museum. And he just wants him to deliver it, and he won't have to you know, put, give him the 20 million credits or whatever. And so Wayne retrieves it, but Paxton, in the interim, tells the gang that uh, if they kill Wayne, then he'll have access to all the company's funds, and he'd be very grateful for ridding him of, ridding him of Bruce. So King agrees, and when Bruce goes to the rendezvous point, the ace robot attacks uh, Terry, who's you know up in stealth mode looking on at a nearby building, and uh, Bruce has to fend the gang off by himself, who are now trying to kill him. Uh, and Bruce manages to hold his own long enough for Terry to recover, and stop the the Royal Flush Gang, and they capture King, but uh, uh, Queen. But the King gets away and gets the crown that he wanted for ransom, and basically just leaves Queen to her fate. So back at the at the hideout, King has the crown when whom should come out from the shadows, but Sable with the rest of Paxton's collection. So she and King embrace and start kissing. And Ooh. sorry, <laughs> King reveals that he was going to re- just leave the rest of the gang to rot in prison while they got away. Well. Queen actually escaped Batman and shows up and tries to kill King, but Queen accidentally led Batman to them, so Batman stops the real flesh gang for good. And the episode ends with Jack being bailed out of prison by Melanie, who got him a job washing dishes at her restaurant. So, thoughts about this one? Um, it's alright. I like the maturity of it. Um, and 
I love Angie Harmon. I'm so glad that she was the voice of uh, Barbara, even for such a short time. Because I preferred her to Stocker Channing, personally. Uh, you know, for me, this episode, it's... I'm, I'm not going to give it, like, a high score by any means. But at the same time, I liked looking at the Royal Flush Gang without Ten being there, or really being a part of the story. Because if memory serves, every time we've seen the gang, it's really been a story about Terry and Melanie or Batman and Ten. So actually focusing on the family and not the love story between Terry and Melanie, I, I don't know, it it added more depth to that gang, which I was just always a little ho-hum about. I thought they were a little too gimmicky. But now I like them, and we really start to see the legacy of this, that you know, King married in into mm-hmm. this, to this thing. And he's taken up this role and he's not good enough in his wife's eyes who, you know, is comparing him to good old daddy, you know, and we, we start to understand that they've been fighting about this for years, that him not being good enough. And it's a thorn in his side. So by no means am I justifying infidelity because we all know how I feel about that considering, ooh, what <laughs> Melody and Terry did some episodes back. But at the same time, you can sort of understand why the king would have cheated on Queen because she's always bitching at him. He can never do anything right in her eyes. And he wandered, you know, and it cost him everything. So in the end, he got what he deserved. But at the same time, like I said, I can sort of see why he did it. But I don't justify it. (laughs) (laughs) I think the other thing I like about this episode is uh, is Bruce. Uh, Once again, he's in complete control as always. And I think it's especially cool here because not only is he setting up uh, Batman to take out the Royal Flush Gang or, you know, what's left of it, but he's also setting up Paxton uh, Paxton's downfall so he can regain his company. Uh, what else? What else do you think about this one? Um, I don't have a ton more notes, really. Um, I had, there was a great line in here, though, I have to mention, uh, from King. At, when he holds the sword to Paxton's throat and Paxton just blurts out his uh, ill-gotten gains, <laughs> King just says, ah, the pustule pops. I was like, <laughs> ew, but that's a great line. <laughs> Because Paxton kind of is a little pustule, isn't he? He's a little piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just a scummy little bastard. Um, yeah, I thought this one had a lot of good lines. I didn't write any of them down. Uh, but one of the ones that comes to mind is uh, where Bruce, he looks at Batman, and he's like, what kept you? And Batman says, they had an ace in the hole. And Batman's like, so did I. Uh, because it was Ace, his dog, that saved his life. I mean, mm-hmm. he was about to get killed by King, if I remember correctly, and he mm-hmm. just snapped his fingers, and Ace comes jumping out of the car to save his master's life. You know, I, I really dug Which that. Is awesome. Yeah, because I really like the relationship. It sounds funny, but I really do like that relationship between Ace the dog and Bruce, because, uh, I don't know, there's just something about it, you know? They're both two hardened old men that in a weird way love each other, you know, like that, that's the only kind of stable relationship Bruce could ever have is with an (laughs) old grumpy dog, just like himself. (laughs) (laughs) They're kindred spirits. 
I should mention before we say anything else, there's a, a very quick reference to Blade Runner in this episode. Uh, the diner that Melanie works at, it's called uh, Deckard's or Descartes or something like that. It's Kitchen. And that's, uh, I know I'm totally butchering his the, the, the name there, but that's uh, uh, the, the last name of uh, Harrison Ford's character in Blade Runner. It's it's one of those you blink and you miss it kind of moments. Is it Deckard? Is that how it's, is that how it's pronounced? I can't Deckard? remember. I haven't seen Blade Runner in like forever. I was in high school when I saw that, so yeah, I got I got to rent that again. But I think it's I think it's Deckard. But anyways, there you go. Um, and there was something else I noticed in this one. We only see Batman for roughly thirty seconds in the first eight minutes of this episode. Yep, I actually. I actually looked at the timer to double check that. And we are over the one third mark in terms of the length of the episode. And we only had Batman for 30 seconds. He really doesn't put in an appearance until, uh, he goes to talk to Melanie, if I remember correctly. Before yeah. that, I think he has the real quick fight with the gang at the museum, mm. but that really doesn't count. He, he's just really there. You know, he really doesn't say much or do much of anything until he goes to talk to Melanie saying, where are your parents? And she's like, well, you can get out of here because I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, it goes back to what you said about this being the story about the Royal Flush Gang and us getting more background on them minus Melanie. Just about the entire first eight minutes was just nothing but them. You know, he just busts Jack and he then disappears. Um, I think we see him hanging around the jail when they're interrogating him, but it's still really nothing. You know, it's, he's really only in that, those eight minutes for about 30 seconds total. And then boom, then it becomes a Batman episode. And, you know, it's what I was saying earlier. I, I think it worked to this uh, story's advantage to do that. You know, because they needed to build up the Royal Flush Gang without Melanie so we could understand what was going on in their lives. You know, how they went from the lush lifestyle where we last saw them uh, to this really down on their luck in a burnt out casino. It's like, how does something like that happen? Well, here we go. We, we understand it now. And... You know, they could only pull off this kind of episode this late in the series. They never could have done this in the first season when we were still getting to know Terry, getting to know the world, and getting to know the rules of the world. But now that we've had Terry as Batman for almost two and a half, going on three full seasons, they can take a risk like this, back off, let Terry serve as a background character, and focus on the villains. Let them get the spotlight for... uh Again, you know, just shy of 10 minutes, really, uh, before Batman shows up and starts kicking all their asses. <laughs> well, he gets his ass handed to him a couple times in this episode, too. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Ace destroys him. Ace the robot, of course, I mm -hmm. mean. You know, he drops... Yeah. What's that big thing he just drops on him? An air conditioning unit. Yeah. Yeah, just clobbers him with, him, with it. Now, in the past, I had asked if Ace was a robot, because I kind of suspected that. And, of course, you said, yeah. yeah. Is this the first time we've officially seen him as a robot? Now, I know we see his circuitry in that one, so that's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, is this the first time we've seen him do robotic things, where he bends his arms in ways that humans can't? I don't remember I'm, doing anything like that before, but he, he so. does it. Oh, you think yeah, he's done it before? So. No, no, no. I think you're... This is you're, the first time. First time we've been confirmed with beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
I thought it added to their troubles when Queen was like, we can't even uh, get Ace repaired. <laughs> and he's over in the corner welding himself. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. I think the only other note I have is Barbara's line at Paxton after he says, ah, yeah. Lane's like a father to me. And Barbara just immediately on cue says, except he doesn't glow in the dark. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those lines that it literally made me laugh out loud. I was like, zing. <laughs> <laughs> What happened? You panic? I was never gonna go to the cops. I only went along with it so you'd get rid of the Major for me. What? I wanted to bring you and some others in and gradually push him out. But when you ran off, I thought of a faster way of doing it. See, the Major's got lots more men all over town. And now they're my men. And none of them know I helped take him down. They're all gonna think you ran straight to the cops. And I was able to get away. But the commissioner knows. You think anybody in my circle would believe a cop? You figured it all out, didn't you, smart guy? But you forgot one thing. The cure. For what? I like the way I look. The minute I walk into a room, I get respect. So even that was a lie. Yeah. And there's one more thing I lied about. When I said I couldn't kill you, I just didn't want to do it then. Next up is Betrayal. In this one, uh, Big Time, we all remember Big Time. How can we forget it? It was only, what, like four episodes ago? (laughs) Yeah, I know. He's broken out of jail, and uh, he's hooked up with another gang. Uh, It's more of a mob-type organization and not just uh, kind of your corner street gang like the Jokers. And... uh, you know, his his boss in the gang, he's big time's kind of mad at this guy because he was told that they were going to be 50-50 partners. But the boss, he's just using big time as the muscle. And big time's like, look, I got a brain. I can use it. I might look like a monster, but I got I got ideas. Listen to me. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. You're new to this. Trust me. Trust me. We're not going to have you do things that you're not ready for and big time he's not liking this so what he does is he sends out a couple of goons to abduct terry the idea being that he can trust terry everybody else in this gang he doesn't know them they're his bosses or his partners guys so big time wants to start to get his own guys well uh he gets terry to the lair and of course trouble ensues um and terry is able to escape and uh, the the boss of this gang, he's like, he turns to Big Time, he's like, look, this is this is your fault that this is happening. So you better go out and deal with this kid because he's going to uh, tell the cops about us. So Big Time goes out as if he's going to track down and kill Terry. Uh, when he catches up to him, he tells Terry, look, 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 I'm not going to kill you. And Terry tells him, look, look, you know, if if we go to the police and we tell them that you were being used, that this wasn't your idea, they'll go lenient on, on you. They're going to put you back in jail. And Big Time's like, I don't want that. And Terry's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? You broke out of jail. You have to go back. But he's like, when you're in there, the, the cops are going to go lean, lean, lenient on you. And the doctors, the scientists, maybe they can find a cure for you, make you back to normal. So Terry says, just lay low right here. There was like a, They were like in an alley or something. And he's like... I'm going to go get the police. I'm going to tell them where those mobsters are and we'll come back here and we'll, you know, the cops will be kind to you. Don't worry about it. So uh, Terry goes and gets Gordon and they raid 
the, the, the gang compound. They take the gang down. And uh, when Gordon and Terry show back up to uh, take Big Time back into custody, of course, he's not there. He fled. When Terry finds him later on, Big Time's like, I wasn't going to go to jail. Are you nuts? And he's like, I don't want to cure. He's like, you're crazy, Terry. He's like, I used you to help me take down the gang because now the underworld, they're going to think you're the rat and that the, and you went to the cops and busted up that gang. And so those guys, they're not going to know I had, had I had anything to do with it. So anybody that's left, they're going to be loyal to me. So thanks for giving me control of the gang. Well, of course, this doesn't sit right with Terry. Big time and he, they have a major knockdown drag out fight. And at the end of it, uh, they end up falling off a bridge. And Terry isn't able to save big time. And he apparently falls many, 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 many feet to his watery death. What were you thinking about this one? Because I got to tell you, I got about three notes. <laughs> what is it about big time episodes that makes us have three notes? Because I have three notes. <laughs> I, there's, there's just not a lot to say about this one. They're so linear. It is just not even funny. Yeah. Um, my first note is what a shock big time turns out to still be a huge douchebag. <laughs> I know. I mean, even Terry even partially says that when he and Barbara go back to the alley or wherever they were hanging out, Terry's like, why am I surprised? You know, mm-hmm. instead of saying, yep. why am I not surprised? It, I like what they did. He says, why am I surprised? He knew what his friend was like. He knew his friend was going to run, but he wanted to believe that the guy was going to be true to his word and do the right thing for once. He really wanted to believe that despite everything he knew about the guy, and it did surprise him. And I liked the wording on that. Why am I surprised? It's probably one of the few things about this episode I actually did like. Because <laughs> i got to tell you, I didn't know this was a big-time episode, and the second he popped up, the first note I wrote was not big time with two exclamation points. <laughs> it's just like, no. At that point, I, I pretty much just tuned out. You know, mm-hmm. The only reason I paid attention is because I knew this was one I was going to have to synopsize. <laughs> Otherwise, I just would have been sitting on the couch eating my pizza, you know? <laughs> I, the thing I, I liked about this episode was Bruce alluding to Two-Face at the end of the episode. He's, oh, he's, yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, where he's saying, I know what it's like to have to fight a friend, you know, uh, so, you know, I, I have to think that's who he was referencing. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, now that you mention it, that's what it has to be. It was one of those lines when he said it, I just sort of took it at face value, you know, like, uh, I, I don't even know how I took it. Just to, oh, whatever. I know what face didn't pop into my head. You know, I was thinking maybe he meant Superman, but yeah, Two-Face makes more sense than Superman, doesn't he? (laughs) Okay, like I said, I wrote three notes about this one. The first one, as I said, was not big time, double exclamation point. The third and final note I wrote, this is boring. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's just... The last one was boring, too. Yeah. There's just nothing happening. You mean the last big time episode, not? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. There's just nothing happening in this one. I mean, big time wants to be a gang leader. Yawn. And he used Terry to get what he wanted. Yawn. It's just. Anybody who didn't see that coming 10 miles away 
you're not paying attention. Yeah, it's just not exciting. And they're trying to add depth to it. I give them credit. They really did. Because Bruce is all like, let the cops handle big time. And Terry's like, no, he's my responsibility. And then Terry starts to wonder if he didn't do everything he could to capture big time. You know, if maybe he went easy on him so he could flee. And it's like, really? I, I didn't see that in the fight. I didn't see Terry pulling punches. But they're yeah. trying to put it in the dialogue. So I appreciate what they were going for, but they didn't show it in the fight sequences. It looked like Terry was legit trying to stop big time. Uh, you just uh, reminded me of something. You know, you said that Bruce wants Terry to leave big time to the police. If you If you go back to Dead Man's Hand, the very first Royal Flush Gang episode, Bruce specifically says... Uh, that Batman, you know, the activities of Batman must take priority over the personal life of, you know, the person inside the suit, and that every action makes a difference. So why is now all of a sudden he's saying, oh, well, you got to let the police handle it? That's a good question. Uh, complete 180 on the character there. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention in the synopsis, for anybody that hasn't seen this one, this is the reason I'm bringing this up, is that when Terry's abducted by uh, Big Time's two helpers there, Max is with them, and Terry actually drops his backpack, backpack, pardon me, in which he carries the Batman suit. Mm-hmm. So Max, knowing the deal, knowing what's in the bag, she grabs it and takes it back to her apartment, and uh, she jumps on her computer and she phones up Bruce, and she's panicking. She's like, these guys, they, they kidnapped Terry, and Bruce is like, did they take the suit? And she's like, no, 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 I've got the bag. And Bruce is like, okay, I'm coming over. And then Max opens up the bag, and she pulls out the mask. And I literally wrote down, oh, God, please tell me Max isn't going to wear the suit. I so (laughs) thought this episode we were going to get Batwoman beyond. And Max was going to be flipping around, not knowing how to control the suit, in a very um, uh, greatest American hero sort of way. And, you know, thankfully... That didn't happen. She's staring at the mask, and Bruce pops back up on the computer for a second, and he's like, don't even think about it. And then he just, you know, he turns his monitor off, and that's pretty much it right there. But I was so afraid we were going to get a role reversal here, where Terry was the hostage and Max had to save him. And I was shitting my pants fearing that, I got to tell you. I'm just tired of Max at this point. I was going to say, uh, maybe, I'd like to think that maybe the creators of the episode, uh, of the series were like, you know what, people hate Max, so let's just uh, tease that and just, you know, kind of bust their balls a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we'll have Bruce come in and save the day. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> i got to tell you, the only other note I have, though, is they have stacks of paper money. These, these mobsters are just, like, shoveling stacks of paper money into bags. Oh, that's an awesome catch. I thought they had plastic cred cards. Yeah, because that's not the first time you've noticed that in the one where the kid was in that giant suit. Payback. Yeah, you noticed money in the cash register in that one, too, didn't you? Here's just a little bit more blatant. Well, yeah, because it's not just a little in the drawer. It's literally, like, hundreds of Piles. thousands of dollars that they're just <laughs> stuffing in the bags. Yeah. Oh, God. Maybe that's how the black market works. They still use cash. I don't know. Um, and I'm trying to think of anything else to say about this one, good or bad. 
But all I can come up with is that this episode as a whole is just unmemorable. There's just nothing that really sticks with you one way or the other. I shouldn't be here. I'm not even sure why I came. Today I felt completely helpless. If Terry hadn't been there, both that girl and I would have been killed. Perhaps it was fate's way of giving you another chance. For years you've devoted yourself to this city. It has taken your youth, your strength, and very nearly your life. No one has earned a second chance more than you. I was never looking for any reward. Then do it for me, Bruce. I want to broaden my philanthropic corporation to every nation. Think of the good we could do if we joined forces. A dream for the world, and a dream for ourselves. Next up today is Out of the Past. In this one, it starts off with Terry taking Bruce to see Batman the Musical for his birthday. <laughs> a superstitious and cowardly lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that pretty much sums it up right there. The uh, only time you'll ever hear me sing on any of my podcasts, ever. <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, it's it's fucking, it's awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, God. So Bruce is, just leaves, about ready to vomit at what he's seeing, and um, he goes back to the cave, and he starts looking through photos of his old flings with uh, Zatanna, Lois, Selena, Barbara, and who should enter the cave but Talia al Ghul. So she and Bruce start chatting, and Terry enters singing, A superstitious and cowardly lot. <laughs> and um, he, he asks Talia why she's there, to which Talia offers Bruce an immersion in the Lazarus pits to regain his youth and to start a new life with her. Well, the next day, Terry and Max are talking about the Lazarus Pits, and Max pontificates on whether Terry's run as Batman will end if Bruce decides to take the plunge. Well, uh, this actually gets Terry thinking, so that night Bruce is just driving down the street when he gets a flat tire. Uh, he gets out to start changing it, and some punks accost him uh, when he uh, gets out, and uh, one of them, he, he handles them pretty well. He just beats the crap out of them, really, and... Uh, one of them grabs a girl who's walking out of a building and throws her into the street. Bruce tries to get her to safety, but he falls down. And uh, But Terry swoops in and manages to grab them just in the nick of time before they get run over by a truck. Um, Bruce just, uh, he, he can't stand it. He laments that even a couple of years ago he could have gotten both of them to safety. And So Bruce accepts Talia's offer, and they fly across the globe to uh, the Lazarus pit where uh, Bruce gets immersed, and it takes about 30 years off of his life or so, something like that. And Terry's not happy about any of this because he sees Bruce lose his sanity upon exiting the chamber. So the next day, uh, Terry and Bruce are working out, and Terry's marveling at Bruce's agility and dexterity uh, as he flips around on the parallel bars and starts lifting weights. But Bruce then hurls a set of weights into a mirror, saying that this is unnatural. He can't do this. Uh so Talia's bodyguard enters the room, hearing, wanting to know what the noise was, and Bruce demands to leave, which, of course, he doesn't allow. So the guy just slaps Bruce away, and Terry punches him in the face to no effect whatsoever. But Bruce manages to tackle the guy and hurl him across the room into the other goons. Well, as they're fighting side by side, Bruce arrives at Talia's door, uh, and he kicks a goon into the door, but from inside the room, he hears Rachel Ghoul's voice. Um... Bruce immediately recognizes it and kicks the door in, 
and nobody's in there but Talia, and she's standing in front of the fireplace, and Bruce demands to know where, where Raish is. Well, Talia laments that she didn't want Bruce to find out her secret uh, this way, and suddenly Raish's voice exits Talia's vocal cords with the familiar, <laughs> the familiar detective line. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a really fucked up episode. Um, it would have been so bo- much better if they had slept together, too. <laughs> Awesome. Oh Jesus God! Who's slept with Rachel? Ghoul. That's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's a horrible image. So anyway, the uh, bodyguard tasers both Terry and Bruce uh, as Rache in Talia's body stands over their this their corpses. Really, <laughs> uh, Terry is taken to an alligator pit, but he manages to escape as we see Bruce locked up in some kind of weird contraption and. Uh, Raish enters the room and says that even though he survived the uh, near apocalypse of 09, Uh-oh. his body was mangled beyond the pit's restorative powers, so he imprinted his mind and memories into Talia's body, effectively erasing her from existence, uh, except for her body. Well, Raish's plan now is to imprint his mind into Bruce's now young body, um, where he can be immersed in the pits several more times without the effects uh, that occurred to his old body. And he's going to basically just go back to Gotham with, you know, genetic, uh, the genetic proof that he is the son of Talia and Bruce, and he'll take over uh, Wayne Powers and start his new empire. But uh, Terry breaks in, they start fighting, and a sword manages to blow up a computer. Uh, and and start- topple an empire. No, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, because remember, Ray, uh, Raish slash Talia manages to stop the fires, but then the the wire from the uh, device yeah. uh, falls into Lazarus pit, causing a massive explosion, pretty much incinerating, incinerating everything in there. And uh, Bruce and Terry just barely managed to escape. And uh, the episode ends back in the back cave where Bruce is just sitting there looking at an old picture of uh, him and Talia. And uh, Terry, you know, says, you know, I wish I could have met her. And Bruce is like, yeah, she was a wonderful person. But then he sends Terry out on, on duty and, uh, you know, it's really – he just says that he'll be back to his normal aged self in about a week. So, yeah, that's about it. Before we say anything about this one, I just have to, like, utter Bill Hooks' okay? And uh, this was said at the play when Bruce and Terry were watching that play about Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, Terry's complaining. He's like, oh, come on, man. It's your birthday. Enjoy it. He's like, it took me uh, weeks to get these tickets. And he's like, it's shway. And Bruce is like – it's schwarbage. <laughs> that was another moment where I just busted out laughing. I'm like, Bruce Wayne, Batman saying schwarbage. <laughs> it was brilliant writing. I think Paul Dini wrote this one, and I'm like, that was an awesome line, because Shway is so stupid. I hate it. And I mm-hmm. think that might have been his way of sort of making fun out of it. Not just having Bruce make fun out of it, but literally Dini. I think was a, kind of making some fun out of it there. I could be wrong. That's just me guessing. That's what it felt oh. like. Well, so. don't forget. There's two other lines in that scene where that are great. You hate me, don't you? <laughs> and then, and then as Bruce is leaving, he's like, "Excuse me, one side, please move." Yeah, <laughs> it's just like wow. He really wants out of there. But Kevin Conroy has a wonderful singing voice, doesn't he? <laughs> was that him doing the Bruce Wayne on stage or the Batman on stage? It was. Oh, I didn't realize that. 
Um, what I did realize about uh, Kevin Conroy here is uh, I had to watch this one twice because um, I watched this one because obviously, I mean, we were delayed for a while. It's been a month since our last episode. Um, and I watched this one beforehand, so I had to rewatch it so I could remember what the hell was going on in this one. And something I didn't notice the first time, but I noticed the second time was the subtlety in Conor and Conroy's voice. And that's when he becomes like about the 50 year old Bruce Wayne after he's uh, uh, dunked in the Lazarus pits, he's using his old Bruce Wayne voice. Yep. The one from BTAS and Gotham Knights, not the slightly more grizzled voice that he uses for Batman Beyond. And I'm like, he's brilliant. He yes, he is, is a brilliant voice actor. I mean, I always knew it. I always loved the emotion and just raw power he brought to the Batman character. Uh, I mean, we'll get to this uh, when we cover... Uh, uh, what's, what's, what's the first episode? Is it the first episode? Or is it... No, it's Star-Crossed, where uh, Bruce's Batman is going to kill himself to save mm-hmm. the world. And that moment where he says, gentlemen, it's been an honor. Whenever I hear that line, I always want to cry because I'm like, oh, my God, Batman's going to die. You know, I know he lives, but it's like he's going to die. So it's like that was the moment where I really realized that Conroy was just a genius voice actor. But here it was just hammered home. It's like it's very subtle. You're really not going to notice it unless you see this episode a couple of times and you're really paying attention. But once you notice it, you're like, my God, because then by the end. He's, you know, he's probably at that point, maybe like 55, 60 year old Bruce, because he's aged just a little, but he's starting mm-hmm. to go back to the kind of the, the gruffer Bruce Wayne voice on the different levels that he has. Here's the 80 year old Bruce. Here's the 50 year old Bruce. Here's the 40 year old Bruce. Here's the 55 year old Bruce. And they're all different, yet they're all Bruce Wayne. Actually, in the, uh, the commentary, uh, for the season three DVD, uh, set Rolf Friedel actually says, you know, this was this was great. I mean, this was the first time I got to actually do voice work with Kevin, doing the the original Bruce Wayne voice. Mm. So yeah, he was mentioning that too. So there was a commentary on this episode. Well, not this episode. It was a, uh, basically about season three. Uh, oh, it's on, okay. It's on one of the two DVDs. I can't remember which one, but it's just a kind of an overview of the whole season. Yeah, I I, I didn't even know that. I may have to go watch that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, I mean, what were you thinking about this one here? I don't think we've covered that yet. <laughs> I love this episode. I, I do. I can't, there's only really my only big gripe with this episode is Raish's plan to, uh, it was a li- it was a bit much. Uh, he planned the tire exploding on that exact sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a little too convenient, but. Other than that, I really don't have anything else negative to say about this episode. See, okay, the tire exploding, I just assume Raish had a goon shoot the tire. Okay? That part I'll buy. I also will accept that he had those goons planted to go pick on Bruce Wayne. I might even accept that the girl that was the hostage, in quotes, was also in on the act. What I can't buy is that somehow Raish knew that Terry would show up at that exact instant to swoop Bruce and the hostage out of the way. That's the Mm -hmm. only part of that plan that I really can't buy. And when a major part of your plan relies on that, there's a big flaw. 
in your plan. I mean, he knew Bruce would call Terry, but what? Did he orchestrate a crime off screen that was sort of nearby so Terry would be there? Are we just supposed to assume that's what he did? That's just that's just too much for me. I'll buy yeah. everything up to the point of Terry having to save Bruce. It would have worked much better if the truck stopped on a dime, like within like a half an inch of Bruce's head, or if someone else pulled Bruce and the girl out of traffic. But Terry doing it now doesn't work for me. Um, and my other complaint with this one is in the beginning of the episode, not so much the back half when it's revealed that Talia is actually Raish and she puts on that kind of uh, black uh, Bond girl like jumpsuit thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm, I'm thinking it's a Bond girl thing. I could be completely off about that. But uh, regardless, in the beginning of the episode, she is way off model. I mean, I know she's supposed to be a little older. Okay, obviously, I mean, she's Bruce's age, so she's like 70-something, you know, but she's supposed to be looking like she's 40 instead of like, I don't know, 25 or 30 or whatever. But she yeah. still looked way wrong to me. If the voice... Did it look too thin to you? N- like no. her face. Did it look kind of... It looked oh, like yeah. Her face yeah, I think it meant her body as a whole. No, but yeah, there was something just not right with her face. And it might have been that it was too thin. I mean, if it really hadn't have been for the Talia voice and the hair over the eye, I don't think I would have known it was Talia. It, it just did not feel authentic to me. I don't know. But yeah. then, like I said, in the back half of the episode, they seemed to get it right. And that's yeah. when it had the wrong voice. So, Yeah, but I, I, anytime we can hear David Warner, I'm all for it. Speaking of great voice actors. <laughs> yes. That first detective, it's like, I knew it was coming. I'd never seen this one before, but I could figure out what the plot was. I think you had even told me that Raish came back this way, you know? But, uh, yeah, that first detective that he utters, I was like, oh, he's back, and he's in Talia's body, yucky. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, now, this is a question. Very creepy. <laughs> here's a question I have to throw out to all of our listeners, much like I did with Egg Baby, where I solicited emails and said, hey, write in and let us know if you did that baby thing in high school. I'm doing that again here. If Bruce had slept with Talia, who was really Raish, is it gay? Or is it still hetero because technically it's a female body? I just want our listeners to think about that. And I'm not joking. I really want to know. <laughs> I don't know why I want to wow. know. I want to know. It was just one of those things where I was thinking. I'm like, well, it's it's a male spirit, but it's a female body. Mike, I, I foresee a poll for our threat when we do the thread. <laughs> yeah, in the we got that. It has to happen. Yeah, what was the last one we did? Uh, who was the worst mayor, right? Hamilton Hill yeah. or the mayor from Powerpuff Girls, which I won, by the way. We've and you're never still mentioned wrong. that on the air. No, Hamilton Hill is a worse mayor than the mayor from Powerpuff Girls. Thank you very much. And I thank our listeners for backing me up on that one. <laughs> uh, uh, you all are fools. You know what? I think we have an early contender for best moment of the year for World's <laughs> Finest Podcast 2009. <laughs> okay, I did, actually, I have one more kind of gripe here. I do have to question Raish's thought process when he... He knows that Terry is Batman, and yet he, she, uh, lets Terry bring his backpack with him. Well, 
telling him not to bring it would be a little too suspicious. Mm, I, I mean, right. if, if Talia, because at that point we still think it's Talia, said, oh, no, no, you don't need to bring that, Bruce would have raised an eyebrow and looked at Terry, and Terry would have found a way to smuggle that suit. So letting him bring it totally wipes away any suspicion that Talia is doing anything underhanded because we're supposed to assume that it's really Talia just wanting her lover to be the young man that she wants him to be. You know, she has to, she has to let Terry bring that suit. There's, there's no way around that. Good point. I I see what you're saying, but I I have to justify it. Um, Getting back to some, uh, dialogue that I loved in this one was when Bruce is in the pod and he's about to get a, uh, not in the pod that's dunked into the Lazarus pit, but the pod that's going to transfer uh, Raisha's mind into uh, Bruce's body. Uh, you know, Bruce is all like, I was wrong about you. You don't cheat death. You whimper in fear of it. And then Talio or Raish like totally just smacks Bruce and starts walking away. And he's like, and you hit like a girl. <laughs> And right after that, I love that Raish sways Talia's hips and flings her hair back as he walks away. <laughs> it's funny. He's been in Talia's body. And I got to tell you, that sounds really creepy to say. <laughs> he's been in yeah. Talia's body for so long that he's gotten used to walking like his daughter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> this was supposed to be a really creepy episode, but it's a really funny episode. <laughs> We're turning it into a comedy episode. It's going to get a 10 from me. It's going to get a 10 because I can't stop laughing at this one. Um <laughs> You know, and I do have to say, you know, it, the the problem, the sole problem that I had with Raish's plan earlier, that being Terry, relying on Terry to get there at that, at that exact moment, being suspect. Okay, that aside, I do like Raish's overall plan of transferring his mind into Bruce's body so that he can come back as this long-lost son of Bruce and Talia. Um, I think that's really well written and it's something that i can totally buy race doing i mean this man finds every way he can to cheat death these lazarus pits going into his daughter's body and i'm sorry that's so fucking creepy taking control of her body we'll say and then finally wanting bruce finally trying to take bruce's body over (laughs) oh yeah he wants bruce all right (laughs) He did kiss him a couple of times. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, Bruce. So much as says, so. Terry's like, "Yeah, you're creeping me out." You. She kissed me. Yeah. I already mentioned the sword blowing up the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotta love the DCAU. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, I love that ending too, where you know we think Talia slash Raish has survived and has managed to you know save his you know his keep castle thing or whatever his fortress there. And all of a sudden, in the background, you just see this little wire start coming off, and it uh, tears and falls into the pit. And the last thing we see is Talia slash Raish turning around and going, (gasps) and then this gargantuan explosion. Because you know there's no way that he, she got out of that. No, I mean, she she was at ground zero. I think the last thing I'll say about this episode is I have to thank it for finally front and center telling everybody that it's pronounced Raish, not Raz or Oz. (laughs) Yeah, because... It really depends on who you ask, even in the comic industry. Some people in the comic industry will say Ra's al Ghul, or others will say Ra's al Ghul. It's, it's really something that 
again, even people in the industry will never agree upon. You know, you'll go to like a panel at, at the San Diego Comic Con or the Chicago Comic Con or anywhere. And if they're talking about Rachel Ghoul, you'll have two different creators on the panel saying it different ways. One will say Roz, one will say Raish. And it, it's really just a matter of preference. Um, I believe the original pronunciation, though, was Roz. I think that's how it was intended, but the cartoon made it Raish, so that's what kind of stuck there. But I did like it addressed in this episode because when you look back at it, and you realize it's raced the whole time. It's not Talia correcting Terry, making sure he's getting her father's name right. It's Raish getting pissed off that this fucking kid that dares call himself Batman can't get Batman's greatest villain's name right. Oh, and you know that Raish just wants to decapitate this kid for doing it. Oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and especially when Terry calls him a sociopath and he doesn't realize that it's ra- uh, Raish in her body. Yeah. Oh, don't say that again. Oh, bad words, bad words in her body. Oh, no. You want to put me in a cage again? Well, yeah. You're all alike. You, the doctor's Van Dyle. Who's Van Dyle? You have a mother. Yeah. I don't. Because of Van Dyle. Next up is Speak No Evil. In this one, there is a gorilla roaming around Gotham City. And uh, Terry, of course, has to stop him. And, uh, you know, he, he tussles with this thing. But it's able to get away by jumping onto the back of an L train. Well, uh, right when the gorilla is fleeing by clinging to the train, these two scientists come running up and they explain to Terry that this is their gorilla, that um, it is used for scientific research, and it got away. Uh, so Terry's like, okay, call the police and tell them to uh, be at the next train stop with a really big net. Um, when the, the train pulls into the station... The gorilla sees the cops with the net. It's able to escape uh, again. So Terry, thinking something might be a little fishy with these scientist guys, he goes to their lab and he finds some chemicals. And uh, when the scientists show up, Terry cloaks himself and he starts listening to them. And they're bickering with each other, saying, this was your idea. No, it was your idea. Okay, it was my idea, but you went along with it. So, so we got to deal with this together. Well, Terry uncloaks. And he reveals that he knows that what they're doing is they're splicing human DNA into this gorilla. So it's got the strength of a gorilla, but the brain power of a human being. They fess up and they say, yeah, that's what we were doing. We're sorry, blah, 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 blah. So we cut back to the gorilla and uh, he's roaming around the street some more. And he comes across uh, like a newscast about a guy called, uh, what was it, Van Dial, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. who is, you know, he's sort of like a crocodile hunter type character in that, you know, he's got like this wildlife preservation and he's claiming he's all on the up and up, but the gorilla gets pissed at this and he throws a bench at the TV and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Well, the next time Terry catches up with the gorilla, uh, Terry finds out that the gorilla can speak. It just, it doesn't just have the mind of a human. It actually you know, can vocalize its thoughts better than I can right there. Anyways, <laughs> um, the gorilla reveals that the reason 
Uh, he's pissed at the scientists and he's pissed at Terry, the entire human race and Van Dyle is because everybody wants to put him in a cage. Now, the reason he has a mat on for Van Dyle, who's been unrelated to the plot so far, is because when the gorilla was still in its youth in Africa, Van Dyle shows up one day and he uh, abducted uh, his mother and his siblings and he took them all away, separated them, and he wants to find Van Dyle to say, what did you do with my mother? So, there you go. What do you think about this one? That's not a bad episode. Um, I don't, I'm not, it's not one that I'll just go out of my way to watch, but, I mean, it wasn't really bad. I like the character of the gorilla, the fingers. Yeah. Uh, I like, I actually like the voice actor, uh, I think it was Malachi Throne. Um, but I thought he did a great job. Um, but I do have some questions about this. Why did this episode happen in season three when it's almost over? This seems like something that would happen, you know, the beginning of season two. Uh, Why it's just, feel it's kinda, that way? Because it's just so, it's just there, you know, it doesn't really add anything uh, to the mythos or, and we're, we're about to come up upon, we've just gotten done with Ra's al Ghul being killed. Uh, we're about to get into the Justice League. Uh, showing up in in Gotham City, um, and Zeta's going to come back, and you know I don't know. It's just it just seemed kind of weird, weirdly placed to me. See, I think they were using it as a breather. I respect that, <laughs> um, but God, this is my big big gripe with the episode. You're seriously going to knock the Batman unconscious and throw him into a lion's cage with his suit still on? Yes, guys, thank you. These fuckers are idiots. Thank you. And did you notice that the first time you see that lion's den, that the bars are spread out far enough that Terry just could have slipped out? Uh-huh. Like, come on, draw extra bars in there. Even if they're just, like, little lines, you know? <laughs> or put a mesh net or something. But, yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous that they they left this goddamn suit on. You know, like like what? He's, he doesn't have tricks in that belt of his? Come on. But um, speaking of that guy, Van Dyle... You know, when I started watching this episode, I knew I had heard his voice somewhere before. I didn't know where. Um, I can't remember his name off the time I had the voice actor's name. Um, let's see. Oh, Reiner Shona. He's a German uh, German actor. But um, I knew I'd heard his voice before. So I went on IMDb.com, and to my dismay, my utter horror... He played Shinnok in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Who's that? that? That means nothing to me. Well, just the fact that I mentioned Mortal Kombat Annihilation oh, okay. <laughs> to tell you enough. That's, okay. that's all you need to know. I didn't know if that was like the worst character of the movie or something. <laughs> He's up there. Okay. But, okay, let me put but, it this like, way. Are there any good characters in that movie? No. Okay. No, not a, not a one. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so I was like... Oh, no, that's where I remember the voice from. <laughs> no, I'm having to, I'm giving horrible memories in my head. I want to take this episode's grade down a point because it made me remember that movie. <laughs> One of the things that I found quite odd about this episode, not just that they left Terry in his suit when they threw him in the lion's den, but, okay, they knock Terry out, they shock him, and then Van Dyle's like, eh, take care of him. You're telling me that this big-time hunter-poacher guy wouldn't kill him himself? He's just going to leave that to his lackeys? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like he'll go out and he'll kill gorillas and lions and tigers and bears and 
giant snakes and maybe even dinosaurs too. But men, I will never cross that line and actually kill a man. But I'll let you, my flunky, do that. That pisses me off even more because it really does a disservice to Terry because it makes him seem like, oh, well, you know, he's just some punk in a Batman suit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to. I don't need to really, uh, you know, really get, waste my time with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like in the last one, it was okay for Terry to take that step back and be in Bruce's shadow for a second. But in this one, you're right, when you put it that way, it does feel wrong that the big villain of the episode can't even be bothered to get his hands dirty by killing the guy. Mm -hmm. I do have to wonder if the name of the gorilla, Fingers, was a reference to Bill Finger, the sadly uncredited co-creator of Batman. Could be. What did you think about the cab scene? When Fingers gets into oh, the cab. I, I love that. Yeah, that was brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. Like, so that, Doesn't it get hot in that suit? You get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> now, the thing that was weird about it, though, is this gorilla has been walking around Gotham for the better part of a day, terrorizing the city. Not on purpose, of course, just by the very nature that he's a gorilla walking around a giant city. Um, but then all of a sudden, he can just hail a cab? And the cabbie doesn't realize that this may be the gorilla that was terrorizing this city within the well, last 24 yeah. hours? Well, you know he was standing in front of a movie studio, right? Oh, no, I didn't catch that. Yeah. He, he had just – you know the uh, the WB Water Tower in yeah. Animaniacs? Yeah. It, well, the Gotham studio – it was Gotham Studios, and it looks exactly like the WB logo. Um, that's where he jumps onto it, climbs down, walks through the lot, and then hails the cab. You know, I saw that tower, but I didn't make the connection that that was supposed to be the Warner Brothers type studio. Wow. Okay. I'm turning red. I'm so embarrassed that I didn't catch that. Eh, we've done this before. So yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> that, ex- that explains why the cabbie didn't put uh, one and one together there. Because neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> I was young. Younger than you are now. The police were after me. I had to run. Why didn't you take me with you? I couldn't. You were only a baby. But I made sure I always sent money to your guardians. They told me my trust fund was an inheritance. I never thought I was living on stolen money. That money put a roof over your head. You had new clothes, enough to eat. It's more than I ever had as a child. Is that why you let them turn you into a biohazard? For money? Yes. For money. More money than you can imagine. And lastly up today is Inkling. In this one, of course, is the return of Ink. And she's seen destroying a billion-dollar rocket satellite thing uh, as per her normal industrial espionage activities. Um, Well, she manages to destroy it and elude Batman in the process. So later on, Terry and Max are discussing what to do next since Bruce is uh, away in Tibet. Uh, and Terry's taking this one pretty close to the chest, uh, you know, to borrow a line from the Dark Knight. Uh, and because, you know, he's several times, this, or Ink has already twice almost killed him, and she's been in the Batcave. So he, you know, he does not like Ink at all, and he wants to, you know, he really wants to get her. Um, also, keep in mind what Terry said was, you know, he wants to take her down because. The two other times he's faced her, it was Bruce that took her down and almost lost his life in the process. So he feels yep. truly responsible for this mess here. Yep. Ink goes to collect her credits from the none other than the guy who commissioned the satellite rocket in the first place. Haven't we seen an insurance fraud storyline in BTAS before? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, anyway, the guy Shimano uh, betrays Ink and blasts her with his particle destabilizing gun, which uh, causes her to start dripping apart. She can't maintain her uh, composition. Uh, she escapes to an apartment where she begs her estranged daughter, Deanna, to help her out. Well, her daughter had never met her before and is not too thrilled at what she is. Um, uh, basically, what's been going on is Ink explains she's been supporting her daughter all these years with uh, by wiring her credits from her espionage activities. And um, Deanna reluctantly agrees to help Ink uh, get more mutagen to stabilize her cells before she just falls apart for good. Well, Batman pays a visit to Shimano since Max wasn't able to find any competitors who would have hired Ink to sabotage Shimano. And in stealth mode, he sees Shimano demanding the insurance company pay up for the satellite being destroyed. And, well, Batman dukes it out with some guards, and he eventually stops the guy. He uh, uses some old-school Batman interrogation techniques to uh, get Ink's account information out of him. <laughs> and uh, so next we see Deanna Ink and Ink going to a laboratory, and Batman tries to stop Ink, and he does a damn good job of it uh, with his suit's new capabilities, but... Deanna comes up from behind and bashes him in the head, uh, allowing Ink to inject the mutagen into herself and reconstitute herself. So now she's back to being ridiculously strong, and she crushes Terry beneath uh, a construction site. But um, as Ink is about to finish him off, she starts bubbling and dissolving. Well, it turns out Deanna put a dissolvent in the mutagen to kill Ink, uh, because now she has access to her accounts, and she doesn't need her. Um... And then Ink just seemingly dissolves away for good. And the next thing we see is Deanna living a posh lifestyle by her pool when uh, Batman shows up and warns her that Ink has been dead before. Uh, the episode ends with uh, Deanna nervously looking around every shadow and every ripple in her pool, wondering if uh, if her mother is there to re- exact her revenge. Yeah. Um, something I just realized as you were giving your synopsis there. Okay, mm-hmm. let's backtrack. It turns out that Deanna had contaminated the mutagen so that ink would then dissolve, correct? Correct. So her plan was to kill her all along. That's what we're saying, correct? I assume so. Okay. So then, why did she bring back the mutagen to begin with if her mother was going to die anyways? Yeah. Seems kind of like a waste of time. Yeah. You know, I mean... Why did she stop Terry? I mean, I know she, I mean, maybe you could just say she wanted to make sure that she died because maybe she just would have got really, 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 really sick if she kept going the way she was going, but then gotten better. But they Mm -hmm. make it seem like she was going to die if she didn't get that mutagen. Why go through all the trouble of breaking into a lab, putting her own neck on the line, doing all this and that just to come back to get in a scuffle with Batman to let her get it, so then she really does die? I don't know. It just seems a little overcomplicated for my liking. That said, I really thought that like the last couple of minutes of this episode were just downright brutal. Like mm-hmm. the fight Batman has with Ink, he is he's trying to kill her. Then Ink literally just melts away. It's just gone. And it was just, I I said it a second ago, it's just brutal. So, so brutal. I don't know if Batman Beyond has been this brutal before, has it? Uh, I mean, we've had some good fights, but I don't know if they were like this. I don't know. I mean, there was the fight with 
Terry versus the psychic albino guy. Yeah, but was it this violent? It was pretty violent, but no, probably not as violent as this because, I mean, Ink, when Ink gets the upper hand, she bends him over her knee mm-hmm. and, like, starts, tries to ram this blade into his lower back, mm-hmm. like, right through his spine. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it wasn't just Terry doing it. She was taking it to him, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was probably the most violent fight in the series. Yeah, that, that's what I'm really thinking. Anyways, all that aside, uh, what else were you thinking about this one? Awesome animation, of course. I mean, with an ink episode, it has to, I mean, you have to have good animation. Mm-hmm. Or it's just going to fall flat on its face. Um, right back at the beginning of the episode, um, I got I to gotta say here, Terry is skating on thin ice with Dana. Um, to borrow from one of our greatest reviews ever, get out of town! <laughs> Here's a question I have. Um, you know, it would seem to me that if you're, you know, if you're randomly blasting away at the floor and the walls of a small room with a weapon called a particle destabilizer, then shouldn't the room be disintegrating all around this moron yeah. Shimano guy? If it can destroy ink when nothing else can, and it can, as he says, pretty much just melt flesh like it would have if it hit Terry, yeah, that building just should have been collapsed. You know, it should have been a very Looney Tunes type moment where he's just blowing everything away and he doesn't realize, like, he's just standing on, like, a little floating piece of, like, floor. And then he just <laughs> looks at the camera, oh, and he just falls. You know, yeah, very wily coyote like, moment. Yeah, just held up a sign, uh-oh, <laughs> and then dropped his Bye-bye. Neck. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking of that guy, he really just needed a mustache to twirl. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> this was, hands down... One of the worst characters in all of the DCAU so far. He is just the ultra smarmy, I'm not even hiding that I'm a douchebag CEO guy. He just needed a black hat and the mustache, and <laughs> everybody in the world would have known what was and a, going on. And a cane. Yeah. <laughs> with, a big, with a big fake diamond on the top of it. <laughs> now you're turning him into a pimp. Yeah. <laughs> But, oh, well. yeah, I mean, this guy is just like, like, kill them! Oh, my laser gun! Boom, boom, boom! Oh, <laughs> you are not Lex Luthor, sir. You're not even Powers' lame-ass son. You're just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, okay, going back to the first fight in this one, where Batman was fighting Ink on the launch pad. Okay, Previously, we saw that Barbara sent the police after Terry when she falsely thought that Terry had killed Mad Stan. Okay, okay, we we can sort of understand that, you know. But here, Terry, because he was fighting Ink, destroyed not just the rocket, which would have got destroyed anyways, because Ink did that, but his fight led to the destruction of how many buildings... And that gas tanker, you know, and the police don't go after him. He's just caused millions, if not billions of dollars in damage. And the police just completely ignore the fact that he was an accomplice to this. Like, okay, he was trying to save the day, but he still caused all that damage. Well, Terry didn't knock the rocket over and cause it to blast towards him. That was ink also. No, but my point is, had Terry not shown up, the rocket just would have exploded on the launch pad. But because he showed up to fight Ink, that caused the rocket to fall over, thus blowing through all the buildings. 
if Terry... Well, you can't blame him for trying to stop her on the onset, you know? No, you can't. But what I'm saying is, is he still should be arrested for his part in that. Hey, you have to remember, go back to those Civil War episodes of Earth 2.net at the show. I was for the Superhero Registration Act. Remember, I think the superheroes should be held accountable for their actions. If Terry just would have let that rocket explode, none of those buildings would have blown up. And you're going to, you can't tell me that those buildings were empty. People died. They weren't little shacks. Those were big buildings where trucks, yes, where trucks and planes and helicopters were going to be stored. People were probably in them. And because Terry got into that fight, because he was careless, people died and billions of dollars in property damage were caused. And, but the police don't go after him. It's like, Okay, I just want them to be consistent about it. That's all I'm asking. Either have them never go after him or have them always go after him. You know, it's it's like if you look at Spider-Man, the cops are always trying to bust Spider-Man. You know, there's a few that don't, but, you know, the police are always trying to go after him. You know, and I like, I like that kind of consistency. That's all I'm asking for. I do like when they pull off silent, tense endings to an episode. I'm just a sucker for them. And I like the final shot with just the big eyeball mm-hmm. looking... You don't because you don't really know if she's there or not. It's they don't really tell you or you know tell you if that's just in Deanna's mind or you know if she's actually there about to just kill her daughter. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice way to end it because the eye in the background could just symbolize Deanna thinking that her mom's behind her, that her mom's everywhere. It was right. good. Now, do we see ink again? I have a feeling we do. Only in that. Uh, only in epilogue. That's what I thought. So yeah, it's a shame that she comes back. I oh no, I take like, that back. She's in, she's in the call also. Is I she? Uh, yeah, we gotta note it. Terry still has never beaten Ink. Deanna sabotaged her DNA three times. Terry has never beaten Ink. That's why Terry shows up at the end and starts yelling at her. <laughs> yeah. He's pissed. He's like, "Fuck, man! You took it away from me. I had her." <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't know. Point. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I don't know, but. Ink, I think, was pretty much beating his ass until that happened. So. Yeah, but he could he could claim that he had her. You know, he could think he did. <laughs> and right where I wanted her. Yeah. Under that under that pile of rubble that I was in. <laughs> and yeah, and her voice actress was terrible too. So. Uh, Deanna's, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who was that? Do you know? Um, Wiki says Azura Sky. I've never heard yeah, of her. I don't know who that is, but there was just no life, no motion. To the voice. I mean, when she, when we first see her, when she's dealing with a repo man who wants to take her car, she's like, here's another cred. No, try this one. How about we do this one? I mean, it, it's just that flat. There's just nothing to it. Speaking of that, the repo guy wasn't swiping the magnetic strip. No, he had it up, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I caught that too. Plastic. Yeah, maybe that's why it wasn't working for him. That's why every yeah. car kept saying deny. It's because, uh, dude, uh, turn the card the other way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Swipe card again, yeah. moron. Uh, oh, is there anything else you want to say about this one? I don't think I have anything else to say, though. Okay, should we get to our scores then? Yeah. Okay, so let me flip back here, and what was our first one? I don't even remember. Was it King's Ransom? Yes. What are you going to give this one? I'll give that one a seven. I will give that a six, and then how about Betrayal? Um, I'll give it a three, but I think I might be overgrading it. I'm giving that one a three as well, and I also think I might be overgrading it. Out of the past. I'm giving this one a nine, and for all (laughs) kinds of different reasons. (laughs) I can't pinpoint one. 
<laughs> just because it's so uh, it's dirty and awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you can't talk about that episode without saying Raish is in Talia's body. <laughs> Yucky. Um, that's going to get a seven from me. Uh, speak no evil. Um, I'll give that one a six. That one... You know, I'm going to go with a six, too. Initially, I wrote down a five, but I realize I think it's better than the next one. And so I have to, I have to bump speak no evil up just a little here. Uh, and so then uh, Inkling. Ah, uh, six or seven, six or seven. I'll give it a six. Okay, this one I had initially given a four, but once it got real brutal at the end there, I had to give it a bonus point. So mm-hmm. keep in mind this was a four up until about the last four minutes of the episode, and then it became a five for me. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am that man. That man. A song the good folks sing. Song the good folks sing. Batman, about a hero on the wing. Hero on the wing. Batman. I am Gotham's darkest night, the villain's darkest fright. Turn on the signal light for Batman. Batman. Lighten up, it's your birthday. Don't remind me. Good work, Cape Crusader. Once again, you've saved our fair city from those vile miscreants. They were no problem, Commissioner. For as we all know, criminals are... A superstitious, cowardly lot. They plan and plot, but they always get caught. Their evil schemes all come to naught. A superstitious, cowardly lot. Took me weeks to get tickets for this show. It's Shway. It's Schwarbage. Excuse me. One side, please. Move! A superstitious, cowardly lot. They plan and plot, but they always get caught. Their evil schemes all come to naught. A superstitious... Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss the final four episodes of Batman Beyond, those being Unmasked, The Curse of Cobra, The Call, and Countdown. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 